and welcome to Free to Spiel, the podcast dedicated to helping you reconnect with the positive side of life. Hosted by me, Liz Baldemekin, each episode seeks to encourage you to alter your way of thinking and adopt a happier approach to life. So sit back, go on a walk, do the dishes, whatever it is you're about to do, and enjoy the Free to Spiel podcast today. Welcome back to the third episode of the Free to Spiel podcast. Today I'm joined by my wonderful friend Charlotte. We met at school. Um, my earliest memory of us being friends is we were really obsessed with the prospect of being able to babysit. Uh, do you remember? And in GCSE geography, we just like hound our teacher with loads of questions yeah. about it in like first aid. Uh, we then ended up doing the same course at the same uni and we moved in together for our final year. She also wrote a guest feature for Fruit Spill back in December, talking about how a single book transformed her you know like mindset and perspective on anxiety and so I definitely recommend that everyone checks it out and yeah this episode is going to be about kind of talking about whether happiness comes from within with a bit of a twist on urban design because the reason we got talking about it was I think you had written like a little feature on happiness in the city was it a book review or something yeah my favorite book Happy City by Charles Montgomery um, and it talks about basically how as humans we shouldn't really live in cities but obviously more than 50% of us do now so yeah and then it was kind of perfect because I thought it tied in really well with free to spiel so I then did a poll saying does living in an urban area affect your level of happiness um, and then we got talking we were like oh my gosh this would be the perfect podcast episode and yeah there's a long conversation of voice notes on Instagram where we were kind of fleshing out the topic so we finally come to a topic of happiness and whether it comes from within or if it's influenced by external factors so Mm -hmm. to begin with I did a post the other day about how there's like a short time between processing a thought and then deciding on an emotion and we can actually rewire our brains the ultimate goal is to be unaffected by everything external so no matter your job relationship like you know you're fine regardless yeah I think I probably do try to be unaffected I do a lot of we're just talking about pre-planning for things um, where I try to second guess my actions about things but I think actually what I've realized and especially during lockdown because we need more excitement in our lives that actually spontaneous things that happen are the more exciting things and they lead to the more exciting things mm-hmm. and try and work out how you're going to react to everything then it kind of leaves no room for like excitement in life does it yeah and how do you stop yourself from trying to predict every conversation and everything that's going to happen because sometimes I don't realize that I'm doing it I've just started a new thing called worry postponement which is all about um you set aside a certain time and day every day it's the same it shouldn't be before you sleep and I have it at 12 45 every day I have 15 minutes and I have a spreadsheet on my computer so throughout the day I'll write down like a thought I have like a worry Mm. and then I have a column for evidence for and a column for evidence against and most of the time like sometimes I'll get to the worry and I'll be like I don't really worry about that anymore um but there are also two different types of worry there's a problem solvable worry like I lost my driving license the other day I can problem solve that I go to every little nook and cranny in my room and find it Mm. but there's also the what if worries and they're the ones that I have to write down and you know I have like ongoing ones I have like I call them like my umbrella worries so I have them about like work and I put evidence for and evidence against and actually when you weigh up like oh I got a really nice email or this person gave me a compliment compared to I had one little thing where somebody got a bit annoyed like it's it's actually really good and it makes you feel quite good about yourself doesn't it 
absolutely there's hardly any evidence for something it's mainly only a very hypothetical situation the evidence for whereas the evidence against the worry is usually very um factually based i'd say yeah how long have you been doing that for three weeks now it took a while to like get used to it i think i probably didn't think it was going to be do much in the beginning so i had to uh like force myself to do it um but actually when i realized that if i stopped thinking about like trying to problem solve these worries in my head i could actually focus on the task in hand so much better because mm. i you know it's like when an email comes through for example at work i don't automatically go and answer it i'll write down on a notepad i'll be like right reply to da 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 and then it's like doing that with worries rather than when a worry comes in immediately replying to the worry you write it down and then you sort it out later so that took a while to train myself but I've actually found myself doing much less of it recently because I've problem solved the umbrella worries that were really getting me down like three weeks ago like those worries haven't really changed um, because nothing's changed in my life <laughs> wow because you know what I saw this thing on um, Instagram some weeks back and I think it was like Cher's mum always said if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter now. And whenever I see yeah. posts like that, I'm like, yeah, oh my God, I'm going to implement that in my life, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But I won't. I will still worry about something that probably literally won't even matter in like three days time. My mum said that if it doesn't if it doesn't matter in five days, don't spend more than five minutes worrying about it. And like there are things that you worry about, like I'm doing my master's at the moment. And actually sometimes I'm like, yeah, probably I do need to spend some nervous energy on, you know, bigging myself up to do an assignment because in five years time it will probably matter what mark I get however do I need to worry about how much money I've just spent on Abercrombie probably not Mm. and also I think it's just a matter of like channeling your energy for good or if it's actually causing more harm saying yeah because I started a gratitude journal I mean it's not related to worrying at all but like a gratitude journal at the start of February. And if I have a bad day before, I'd really internalise it. And I was like, oh my God, what a mm. shit day, blah, blah, blah. But since doing the gratitude journal, because I'll say like, I'm grateful that bad days are only 24 hours long. So it kind mm. of preps me to wake up the following morning yeah. and know that it doesn't have to be a bad day just because the day before was... So I really do think, mm. I always say, oh, I should definitely write more things down. I should definitely start journaling more. Yeah, it really helps. Massively, mm-hmm. I started writing. I have a notebook actually that I... I've started writing down quotes from Instagram on because I'd usually just save them um, and not really look at them again. But actually, I will flick through this to find them again and I'll put the at of the Instagram so I can find others. They really help. There's one that I found the other day that was like five things that are quite tough to hear, but really important. And I was like, you know, I needed that right now. So I wrote them down. And if you told me as uh, like five years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I would have literally laughed in your face and been mm. like, absolutely not. I'm not academic enough to do that. I'm not like, well, I don't, I wouldn't feel old enough. So with happiness coming from within, and obviously we do what we can. So I do my gratitude journal, you do your worrying. And the thing is, I would love to say that I don't get affected by the day to day, but I get really affected mm. by the weather. And if it's sunny, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in such a good mood. I'm never going to be in that bad mood. I'm just going to remember how positive I feel. Mm. Like, you know, I'm on top of the world. And the next day it'll be raining. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, like, oh, my mood yeah. really dropped. And it's so frustrating because I try to like put mm. a positive spin on it. But, you know, ultimately I, it does affect my mood. Like there's no saying it doesn't. Yeah. And I think we beat ourselves up about external factors that we can't influence more. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of happiness you can control from within 
you know you can do a bit of self-criticism and be like come on snap out of it but if it's the weather you have literally no control over that and we probably get a bit bogged down and being annoyed at ourselves for letting it get to us it becomes like a vicious cycle yeah and I'm also trying to work out if it's because on top of that we're also in a lockdown you know you're staying in the flat or you're staying in your house and it's like crap weather outside and you can't go outside and it's just a bit it's like one thing after the other yeah I, I always think I have this kind of complex that if the um conversation with someone turns to the weather it's a really poor conversation <laughs> because like it, it's I think I don't know where it's from but I think it's from like some tv show that if yeah it's basically like you have nothing to talk about but I do remember learning in geography about the fact that actually in Britain we are influenced by five different air masses at the same time so it's actually much more common than us than other countries in the world to talk about the weather because it's, well, so it's so temperamental and it changes that's why we gravitate towards it yeah because oh. obviously we have proper summers and proper winters even like at the start of meetings we're like what's what's the weather like where everyone is and everyone's like oh my gosh it's raining at the moment <laughs> i've in fact just sent a video to my family whatsapp group of the rain outside um which got you know because we're all in different places in the uk so yeah as i said at the start like you've been on quite a bit of like a self-growth journey over the past six months and would you say there's been kind of like key turning points um or like learnt anything in particular about what you used to think caused happiness when in reality it's actually something more internal yeah I think um I've learned certainly since so I think I was caught up a bit in Christmas and then after Christmas that's when I started to kind of work on myself a little bit um and within that I realized that independence was quite a good way to make me feel better about myself if I was doing something independently I feel a sense of achievement in it I've had a couple of moments like I moved so I moved back to Birmingham when was it the start of February and you know I've had moments of feeling really lonely um when you've not got your family downstairs to go and chill and watch a tv program with but I've equally had moments where I'm like oh I could not be back home because I didn't want home to become a place that um, I resented at all. I wanted it to remain as that safe haven that I'd go back to. And I think, yeah, that one of the major turning points I probably had um, probably about a couple of months ago now was routine Mm. Um, and um, allowing routine time in the day to give some time to yourself so for example I read every night before I go to sleep now but also I don't just read for the sake of it I like to read non-fiction books um so I feel like I'm educating myself and I feel like therefore when I go and talk to somebody you know we don't really have much stimulation during lockdown so I'm like oh I read this interesting book and then it stimulates the conversation the best conversations are actually ones where people are just like really like authentic and brutally honest about what they've gone through I think even with us like since maturing over the past few months we're probably talking with so much more awareness I think I kind of want to work everybody out and be this sometimes I want to be their savior (laughs) and I'm like I found this out about you and it's also such a toxic thing as well to try and like save someone because equally like it's yeah, not absolutely. it's not a job is it we think we're doing something really good but in reality like we can only save uh, ourselves yeah and that's the thing like, I think I've realized that I've not really been alone or fended for myself so this for me is like a real a first really to um like I've done the moving out and cooking for myself but I've never done I've never been alone emotionally and 
the turning point has been that that's not scary anymore mm. it's actually I, I remember saying before when I kind of first moved back I said I'm scared to be alone with myself and I'm now not scared to be alone with myself yeah sometimes it can be really lonely and it can be rubbish mm. but actually sometimes like this is time that I'll look back and I'll be like oh my god why did I not make the most of that yeah, um, yeah. you know I've got a pile of books sitting next to me that I, I want to read there's one about parenting there's one about why we sleep there's one about architecture of happiness which is very apt for this um and every evening being mindful and having you know, I cook from scratch every single evening and it's a switch off from work and I feel like I'm giving myself everything I need mm-hmm. internally like nutrition yeah no I think that yeah the turning point has been that actually I'm proud of myself for like mm-hmm. achieving what I've achieved and yeah. rather than it being like a scary time the other thing as well is like when you rely on someone else for that emotional support I kind of find myself going to them and increasingly depending on them for like validation mm. because it's so easy to just be like oh I did this yeah. and then be like well done and you're like oh thanks when when you're like by yourself you're like oh my gosh like I'm actually really proud of myself and I think you think about it more because you have the time to process what you've done first and then you tell other people like I'll tell yeah. my mum afterwards before it was relationships I used as an emotional crutch and now it's friends like I don't use friends as an emotional crutch like I will use friends as a sounding board after I've been through it Mm. I will go through it myself and I will sit down and write about it and then I'll go to them after and be like yeah so this happened and actually coming at it from a different angle and explaining it like a couple of hours or a couple of days later brings a different perspective to it sometimes I'm like that is silly and then sometimes I'm like, you know what? I completely within my right to feel like that. And I'm actually surprised that you yeah. didn't deal with it with more extreme emotions. Yeah, but I'm just, I mean, yeah, I'm enjoying also like having time. Um, I really, really like it when I can literally have a lion and not care or like I've started to um, run a bit or go on walks. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to tell anybody I'm going on a walk or I don't have to look at my phone when I'm going on a walk because... I'm not accountable to anybody I'm only accountable to myself oh yeah being happy in your own company is like the ultimate form of self-care and self-love absolutely yeah and also realizing lots of little tiny things um so like for me I didn't realize that cooking was self-care um also skincare that's Mm. massive self-care um I spend some time in the evening like moisturizing and um putting on you know lotions and potions and it's, I tell you what a terrible habit was that I used to have the next hit of happiness would come from I don't know a new pair of jeans or yeah. like this new tool that I'd seen on TikTok um Amazon especially what you said yeah. about retail therapy actually because that's what I next wanted to talk about is when we were in Birmingham together it was kind of like if you had a day free I'd always be like oh I'll go to the bull ring so which is the shopping mm. centre and yeah, that'd be like the day out and it'd be treating myself. But I actually think back to shopping and I don't actually enjoy shopping that much because it's always really like hot and sweaty in the shopping centre. Mm. I'll spend loads of money on clothes that are more impulse buy than ones I actually want. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't always feel amazing afterwards, especially in Birmingham as well, because it's such it's basically a concrete jungle. Well, however you say that, but I have found a lot of enjoyment recently about, you know, I plan my 5k walk in a day mm. or my run and I go around different areas in the city so I know the city quite well because um, my job is based here and it's all about the built environment so 
I'm like innately interested in those kind of things but I will walk around these beautiful houses like there's some really leafy parts of Edgbaston and I will lose myself in looking at the house and looking at detail like the other day I was actually um I was at work and I looked up and there was this house and one house had something like eight chimneys on it and I was like that is amazing and I looked at it and then I did a bit of research into it and um you know it's a listed building and it's a representation of Birmingham in the industrial revolution that's why it had so many chimneys and all of this stuff and I find myself I used to and this is probably enabled by lockdown I used to just go shopping I did do that because that's all I could think of to do in Birmingham but now actually I walk around and I look at all the houses and I look at the details and I kind of imagine myself could I live in that one oh I tell you what I also do I imagine where I'd put my Christmas tree and yeah I think um I've seen a different side to to Birmingham yeah you know what that's interesting what you said because I really got into looking at people's front gardens, not in a creepy mm. way, but in a kind of, oh, I'd love a front garden like that when I have a house. Yeah, you've got a bit of topiary or you've got a bit of a rock garden. or Yeah, or a little pond or a little mm. vegetable patch. But also, yeah. I say that I imagine Birmingham as a concrete jungle, but equally, mm. I never made any effort to go out exploring beyond where we lived yeah. as students and then the city centre. So in my head, it's a concrete jungle, but as you said, mm. it actually isn't. So it is kind of, it is... 100% on me for not exploring like even Birmingham is so close to the Peak District yeah never true. once was I like oh my gosh let's go there you know I'd be like oh let's go on a walk up to the big Sainsbury's or something yeah <laughs> that actually links perfectly because mm. before lockdown I was commuting like four hours a day into London mm. And absolutely hated it. But also my mindset was from day one, I was like, I really don't enjoy this commuting. But there mm-hmm. are other people I know who were like, oh yeah, the commute was fine. So I really did mm-hmm. have tunnel vision and it really was down to my mindset. But then at the start of lockdown, I absolutely loved it because I was still living at home. So it was really rural. Obviously the weather was getting mm-hmm. really nice. And yeah, I just had a great time. But then in comparison, mm-hmm. you were in Birmingham, weren't you, in the jewellery quarter? which is basically, how would you describe the jewellery quarter? Because I've only been there once. Uh, the jewellery quarter is like, well, it's where all the young professionals live. So it's got quite a um, a gritty, authentic character, I would say to mm. it. Um, a lot of kind of warehouse vibe um, apartments and things like that. And it's very Victorian. And when it's not lockdown time, there's, there's quite a lot of independent restaurants and bars there. Um, but I yeah I found I mean unlike you I I didn't really mind my commute here in Birmingham beforehand I was getting the train um I really enjoyed the walk when I then got to the train station I had to walk to the office that was really nice um there is actually evidence to say that people that walk and cycle to work are much happier because they're in control of their own commute the best commute is an active commute like cycling that actually makes so much sense. I remember there was this one train that I got home before COVID and it ended up being five and a half hours or something. Energy in the carriage was so yeah. negative. Everyone was just so annoyed. and Obviously, understandably so, because I think it was like a Friday or something and everyone's mm. just so done with the week and there's yeah. no control over it. Like I couldn't just get off the train and get another one. You know you're going to get there, but it's just how you get there and Mm. nothing stresses me more than a bus replacement service you still know. getting to the same destination however it's that extra having to get on something different and 
the more changes you have to do in a commute, the, the worse it becomes for somebody. Um, mm. But yeah, you've got places like Copenhagen where uh, most people cycle um, and they actually, I mean, they have a system there where it means if you're coming from the suburbs, you never hit a red light if you're if you maintain 20 kilometers an hour I think it is wow. so you know that's the ultimate control factor there that you just you just keep going um and um they also though have very very good public transport so there was one time actually a train was late in Copenhagen and the prime minister put out a apology because because of that um but yeah so Going back to the jewelry quarter, I was in a, I mean, it was a beautifully done apartment. Um, there are some really beautiful, like new developments around there. And um, it was a nice space, not a single bit of greenery when we looked outside the window. And I would try and go on runs to try and, you know, get a bit of fresh air and I wouldn't see a single tree. And the only bit of greenery was actually around um, St. Paul's Square, which is um, like there's a church there. And I mean, it's really, really nice. But remember on my the day before my birthday, so that was in August, um, we wanted to kind of go out. It was really, really nice weather. And we wanted to go out and have a picnic. And we kind of sat down in this park and there were loads of people and it was flying ant day. And there were just piles of flying ants everywhere. And at that point, I just thought, I can't believe that I've been here since March to August. And... I've not really seen grass or yeah. anything for this whole time. And then this is the first grass I get and it's <laughs> covered in ants. And I I also, I found it really interesting in the beginning because I hadn't explored the jewellery quarter that much. And it's an interesting place to explore. Like there's a lot of variation in the architectural styles and some really cool new developments. So actually for the first couple of months, I reckon my boredom was curbed. Mm. and I was exploring still um but then as soon as the boredom hit and I knew every nook and cranny and I'd researched every building yeah. <laughs> couldn't really do it anymore yeah no I actually had the same thing because just before the UK second lockdown I then moved to London and what you said about exploring the jewellery quarter mm. at the weekend I really mm. like going to different places in London or just even walking in central London but I couldn't live there because there was literally no greenery mm. and it's something that I've realised how much I need to depend on like yeah I walked now so I'm in zone three so it's kind of like a leafy suburb if you will and I'll like actively mm. seek out greenery because I think I will go absolutely berserk. But I can see a lot of things and people say, you know, try and get gr greenery around you, even if it's just one plant in your room. But I was like, that is just not enough for me. I mm. just, and I don't know um, because both of us are from more countryside areas. So we're just used to it. Yeah, it's such, a, I think that's such a hard balance to strike. Boredom is one of the, the problems with living in a city. I think that everything is just the same. So mm. A lot of cities are designed to be for cars so they're actually designed for going at 60 kilometers per hour so they have like for example like all of the brutalist architecture that we had was when cars started to come into focus and it was automotive focused design there's no detail on the buildings what, because cars are going past so fast they don't need it yeah that's why billboards are so big and things like that so um you know you've got beautiful places like in Florence and Venice and those kind of places they've got little winding streets with lots of detail because you're walking around them so you stand and yeah. notice the detail there's such a, a way up between a city that's like packed with buildings and packed with that detail that reduces our boredom 
is fantastic for our brain and you know boredom can induce stress and that's yeah. really bad for you but then also you need a bit of biophilia which is the innate human response to natural shapes and nature so like you need a complete balance between the interest that's offered by detailed buildings and winding streets but you also need greenery Uh. and I think that's probably what you're getting in London where if you go to central you're getting that interest and it's busy there's lots of things happening but you still have access to your green space I mean obviously there's an argument that they could be combined together like you could have living walls and street trees and things like that which I don't think necessarily in the city I think it's getting better though the city yeah but even um, when I explore central I normally end up near the river if I almost gravitate yeah, towards the water as like yeah. a placement for greenery and um, but while we're on the topic of greenery you know I've been, been going on a lot of walks mm. and, well I don't run mm. I literally refuse to run but my ankle has told me to stop running and I'm playing on it more than I should be <laughs> I think but yeah like even though we're doing exercise or doing greenery I have a routine and it's almost like I'm doing all these things but even then, for the past few weeks, I've just been feeling so burnt out. And mm. I think it's something to do with work from home. I have just dropped down to three days a week from five because it's just everything was just getting on top of me. And I think this third lockdown, even though I'm keeping myself busy, like I have struggled with it a lot more. And it's kind of all these micro stresses, they all kind of just, yeah. it sounds ridiculous because, you know, I don't have a super stressful job. Yeah, you need that balance and you need to get out and... I mean, we are social creatures, aren't we, as humans? And we need, goes back to my blog post that I did with you, we need connections to things. And whether that is connections to people or that's connections to the world that we live in, we need to maintain them. And sitting behind a computer screen the whole time is not maintaining those connections. I think unless you have one of those jobs where it's very collaborative and you are talking to people on Zoom quite often, um, that that can get exhausting in its own right as well, because there's not the correct social cues that you're getting yeah. um, even then I really like having a role where I'm not in a big team that gives me a bit more freedom but yeah yeah no I do agree with you we are just naturally social animals just like I said just now about stresses all building up they may seem mm. small in themselves you know working mm. from home I would have absolutely loved back when I was commuting and don't get me wrong I yeah. do enjoy it to an extent but it is just another micro stressor at the moment with everything else going yeah. on. So you were telling me earlier about psychogeography and micro stressors and how it's all tied in in urban areas. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's probably no surprise that we're not meant to live in cities. Um, there are loads and loads of little micro stressors um, around cities. So obviously, as mentioned before, biophilia. We're actually more drawn and we feel calmer as humans when we see curvy shapes because nature is naturally quite curvy um, shapes. We, they don't have very many harsh shapes and when they do, they're things like thorns, which we're told not to touch and because they'll hurt us. So cities are, you know, concrete blocks of angular, even the nicest houses, you know, even the most modern houses are angular, um, which is a stressor in its own right to us. We think, oh no, that's not right. That's not as nice as like a rolling hills country landscape. Um, noise pollution as well that's a massive one and just being around a lot of people probably even at the moment with lots and lots of people around us um, we're stressed because we're too close to them finding that balance between humans being naturally social 
and yeah. then too much socializing and it's which is the the difficult thing in covid i think that's shown us is that if we're presented with one extreme that's really detrimental you have to work out your own extrovert introvert balance because some people actually kind of are thriving a little bit on not having to constantly present themselves to people yeah. what you said about um like with lockdown everyone's kind of finding that balance of introvert and extrovert and I think that's really interesting mm. because I think for a lot of people and I did a blog um, I did a free spill post on Instagram about it I think a few days ago and I was saying the things that I've realized during lockdown I wouldn't have if we were in normal times you know like this has actually given me the time to be alone and reevaluate. so it's kind of yeah being the ideal time to do it yeah it's a time to work on yourself and there are certain things that I realized that I wouldn't necessarily have been able to do if it wasn't for, for COVID mm. um, and being able to you know read so much instead of going out in the evenings or I don't know working on my masters and mm. I have an excuse to work all weekend because and I don't have FOMO I'm not missing out I did a quiz the other day that was all about are you an introvert or extrovert and I'm completely 50 50 so it's like I I won't knowingly put myself into an extroverted situation so I won't knowingly go to a social situation however if I am in a social situation I will give myself to it entirely I will mm-hmm. never just sit back mm. um and I was like yeah that's so true like I don't want to go but then when I do go I'm like yeah I'll make the most of it yeah I actually need to do one of those introvert extrovert um quizzes because I think I did one at the start of lockdown when I was really enjoying my own company so I feel like my answers were really biased and I was like oh I get all my energy and my love from inside you also like living with people like living with friends is very different I think yeah but now if I did it again I think it'd be more extroverted you know when you kind of feel yourself going into mm-hmm. a bit of a social rut like I feel like I was in one when I was doing the quiz and I was like oh it's fine I don't mind yeah. being alone a lot and then now I'm like actually maybe I'm more extroverted. Lockdowns made me feel like I'm more of an extrovert but then you know if somebody was like do you want to go to a rave right now I'd say no like I've always have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but even when I remember when Boris announced that the 21st of June was when all the clubs were going to open and in my head I was like oh my god like there are going to be plans and I'm actually going to have to stick to them and you know actually mingle and stuff even though when I'm like with friends and stuff I absolutely love it but the prospect of doing it I was like oh my gosh I won't be able to have as much me time there'll be so many pressures and expectations Mm. and this and that it's so far in advance I think we're all kind of overthinking it like that's part of me is like oh this is this is where being in a city makes it more difficult because actually I have the opportunity to do stuff like what could I do if I was back at home in my rural village I could go to the pub and you know yeah hang out with the locals whereas in the city there's like everything is going on the whole time I'm going to be presented so many opportunities to do stuff but I'm, I'm wondering now if I want that you know it's been over a year so we're like, we have to make the most of it. And you put that pressure yeah, on yourself. Exactly. Like, we should be doing this. We should be doing this. Yeah. And in, as you said, in cities, there's so much going on. It's almost like you don't want to look back in life and be like, I don't want to look back yeah. and be like, oh, I was in London, but I just stayed in zone three, which I don't. But yeah, I am pressure to look around and explore every like, little nook and cranny of the city. I keep um, meaning to bring up my camera and take photos of you know like the lockdown walks that I was doing and I I think it'd be really interesting to Mm. see I I don't know I've always wanted to know about my parents life and when they talk about where they used to live before they were around each other or anything like that I want to know what it looks like and I think it'd be 
such a snapshot in history if I took pictures of all of these walks I was doing. Um, but also really nice to reminisce because it has forced me to slow down. Like as I said, I go around and just walk down streets of houses and I wouldn't ever do that. I would only do it as a journey. I would never do it as the purpose was to look at the houses. I would look at them on a journey. Whereas my purpose now is to reduce my boredom. It's a real form of mindfulness, isn't it? Where you mm. actually take the time to consciously look at something. Our phones are like terrible. And apparently that is that has been born from impersonal environments. So it's argued that like, the more impersonal environment is the more you're going to be directed down to your phone because there's nothing going to be there to grab your attention mm. so it's learned behavior now that we're going to be on our phones when we're going to walk somewhere because why would we look around us if it's just going to be like a horrible I don't know like the only thing I can think of is kind of like the old BHS building in the center of Birmingham <laughs> which is this horrible concrete structure which has been empty for ages why would I look at that yeah I would go down to being on my phone but but now I'm much more like open to, to looking around me. But that's probably because the area I'm in is so varied compared to another area. Um, yeah. But I think we need to make that initial leap to come off our phones. I was about to say about podcasts, I really should just try one walk where I don't have my phone or anything. But mm. then I think it is like the phone doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. Obviously, I don't want to be walking and just scrolling on Instagram like aimlessly. Mm -hmm. But I think mm. if we do something like I will listen to podcasts and learn something new or what I do mm. is listen to binaural beats and like lo-fi music and basically it like syncs yeah. the frequency of your brain I like to put my phone in my pocket especially you can do it if you have wireless headphones and I don't like to go on it and I really had to train myself though to think that if I'm on a walk I am on a walk and my I've just recently at work had somebody take over from somebody for maternity leave and she said to us she said go on a walk at lunchtime do it like it doesn't matter you have to do it for yourself and actually I needed that I needed her to say that to me yeah. so I do now um and nobody cares if you come back and you say oh I'm really sorry I was on my lunchtime walk they're like good for you well done we have almost been trained to expect loads of things from our manager and kind of almost yeah. be babies when in reality managers don't yeah. actually want to be doing that if anything they actually want you to be mm. you know stay sane during lockdown and go on a walk like it's really not as long as you get the job done they're yeah. pretty much happy with it exactly yeah and you know I'll put my phone in my pocket and I'll be like has anything ever bad happened for the half an hour I'm on a walk mm. uh no it's not happened also I'm i probably not on my phone for half an hour and I'm in a meeting and does anything no. bad happen no that I have my phone on do not disturb mode but calls still come through mm -hmm. and that's a real peace of mind for me because I'm like if someone really really needs me I will feel it vibrating for a call but apart from that just a silly email from somebody saying drink more water comes through and I don't <laughs> I'm not like oh what is that email yeah. immediately because I'm so bad at that and I actually heard the other day I think it was my manager again she emailed us about um that when you initially log on to your emails in the morning um or after a weekend it has the same effect as sleep apnea so you actually you hold your breath until the emails come through and you starve yourself of oxygen until they come through I because you're that. so worried and I realized I was doing it so now I'm really good at just like okay breathe through it because I will literally it says like 11 new emails which I know isn't that much like overnight 
and I will hold my breath until I scroll to the top yeah oh my gosh I didn't even realize I did it until you said it yeah now. but yeah I, so bad a few months ago I got myself into such anxious tears like every single day mm. I'd feel anxious as soon as emails came in because I was like I, yeah. can't that. I can't deal with it and I don't know why it just crept up on me really suddenly mm. it was so strange I work with members of the public quite often and um you know if you're self-deprecating and you apologize and you say I'm really sorry I, I couldn't do this or I didn't have the time to do this most of the time if they're a good person they're like completely understand mm. that's fine it's the way that you frame it and you know like I had mentoring a graduate at the moment and I was on a walk and she messaged me and I messaged her back and we, it turned out that we were both out and about and I think that kind of both made us feel better because well I got back to her later and I said sorry and she said no don't worry I was on a run anyway and that was just like oh okay yeah. so it is the done thing and yeah. you know I was very impressed with her for going for a run yeah. and um I mean probably put me to shame if you looked at our Stravas and <laughs> I was on a three three kilometer walk and she was running but yeah that's something that like I really need to get better at is, is mm. being off my phone. A screen time is, is a yeah. deadly, deadly new thing that has come out. I know as well, I think what I do is that I have an app lock for my social media and I try not to go on. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. Sometimes, obviously, there are quite a few slip-ups. If I've recently posted on Instagram and mm. I'm replying to people's messages or, you know, posting on my mm. story or whatever, I find that I'm on social media just before bed. And yeah. so I only have social media, as you know, I only have social media for free spiel. And I went through and kind of deleted my personal profiles, including my mm. Instagram, like last May, because I realised I was getting really jealous of other people. Um, you know, other people who were talking about their like holiday to Cuba in 2016 and were doing a throwback. Mm. And I found myself being really jealous, even though... I knew that they weren't on that holiday right now. No one was on holiday. Yeah. And so I deleted it. And I found myself um, some months back. I was lying in bed and I went on my search page on Free to Spiel. And I saw loads of people. And I found myself that jealousy was creeping back. And that's mm. when I realised. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to stop. Because social media is definitely not it's, happy. It's so bad. Like, yeah. I find myself worrying when people have posted stories. If I've not seen them, maybe I should see them and you know the new Instagram algorithm is just really bad so your posts mm. don't appear and then I still I still I have to admit I still get wrapped up in like oh my god they've not liked this photo they liked that one I can see they're online all of that kind of stuff and that's that's really bad but somebody actually told me the other day they were like I was looking at your Instagram and you appear to be one of the happiest actually like most authentically happy people I've ever seen this is the same person that told me I was also the best conversationist they've ever met. So I'm going to hold on to that. Um, <laughs> on Instagram, we all publish the highlights. And I think yeah, but compare and be like, oh my gosh, they're like having, living the best life, blah, blah, blah. But as in, mm. like, even on Fruit Spill, I'm glad because the other pages that I follow are similar pages to my blog. But yeah, I do find myself, you know, if you end up stalking like Kylie Jenner or something, I'd be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are they all up to? Even though... I really don't care what these people are up to because I don't even know. Yeah, them. I tell you what I find myself like. Um, I, uh, I think it's no secret I'm not the most self confident person, and I will um, look at somebody's photo and look about look at the specific thing that I'm insecure about on myself in them. So, for example, I don't know um, if 
if my skin's particularly bad, I'll look at their skin and be like, oh my goodness me, they have perfect skin. However, have I zoomed in on, I don't know, their hair? Like, like I focus in on like, again, as you say, tunnel vision. And I only look at the thing that I'm self-conscious about in myself. And I don't look at the whole picture and them as an individual. Um, and also I realise that people must do that to me too. Like I could literally not, like actually sitting here right now, I couldn't tell you what you're wearing because I not that I don't care for you but I I I it doesn't matter to me as the person you are what you're wearing I couldn't describe your outfit because what matters to me is I'm speaking to you rather than what you're wearing yeah like the other thing is that that person that you're stalking and you know you're like oh mm -hmm. their skin is so much better than mine they're probably Mm -hmm. stalking someone else and comparing themselves to the other person and equally there's Mm -hmm. probably someone who's stalking your profile and it's like, yeah. oh, no, like she's so authentically happy. Like I had my friend I was Snapchatting the other day and um, she said to me, she said, whenever I see your hair, even when you're working from home, it always looks so nice and fluffy. That's what people always comment on my hair. And yeah, it's true. Actually. It's because I have quite, I have really soft hair. It's it's not that nice hair, but I it's remember soft once hair. you said to me, you're like, I've got a lot of very fine hair. <laughs> I have, I have a lot of fine hairs. So, you know, anyway, and there was me taking this horrible photo of myself thinking, oh my God, my hair always looks like a mess. I just can't sort it out. Literally, she said that like five minutes after. And I was like, what? Like, everybody looks at things so, so differently and you really don't pick up on certain things about certain people, but you, you, it makes it much worse when you've got an insecurity when you're on social media and you're constantly bombarded with your perfect version of what your insecurity is. Yeah, if we all look the same, it would actually be really creepy. Oh God, yeah. It's so true. But still, we yeah. find ourselves getting wrapped up. The final section I normally do are top tips. So from our discussion, I would say, I believe that happiness is pretty much fully down to the mindset. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously it's so difficult to rewire your brain. So I do appreciate that, you know. It's, mm. it, it can feel impossible and I'm still at that stage where it feels impossible to fully be able to ignore external signals and happenings so if something's yeah. happening in the job in relationships if something's going mm-hmm. on at home like it will influence you and I think that is normal yeah completely and like you know there are so many different things affecting us at one point unfortunately because the world is so connected now mm. we're going to have external influences but in terms of top tips I'd say number one is, as we've discussed, green space, biophilia. So seeking out whatever you can. That doesn't have to be the most beautiful path or anything. Anything green is shown to reduce stresses. And as I said before, like you need kind of flowing shapes and things like that in your life. So it's easier on the eye, easier on the mind. Um, Green spaces also, this kind of ties into my next point, green spaces, especially during a COVID context, increase neighborhood satisfaction number one but it's because it's where you mix with people so if you can seek out green spaces that that really helps um pollution as well and things like that it's better for you your physical health um yeah and definitely second tip would be i think being around people is one of the most important things and what you should draw on the most in a city the the impact of being around people is twofold obviously um if you make friends with them and if you talk to them whether that's like you know a fleeting conversation in a shop that really helps build your connections to your local community but also being social and being around people um is really good for safety 
and not feeling like you are being threatened the whole time um i think your brain has you know three different sections to it. it's got compassion threat and excitement being around people is really good um to improve feelings of safety because we constantly feel threatened because we're around strangers really if we don't know the people but actually being around a lot of people and being in areas where there's like people sitting in cafes and things like that increases what we call natural surveillance and that's really really good for um for a human to be walking around and feel as if everybody's looking out for them and yeah it, it takes away that baseline level of maybe a fear of threat which is one of the stresses we were talking about it's actually really interesting um if you are ever in a square for example people will naturally all go to the side because they want their back protected because they want to be able to look out onto the front however if you are in a square with lots of shops around and open frontages it doesn't really matter where you sit because somebody will be looking at somebody behind you so you'll be protected by the strangers around you i've learned so much in this podcast episode the third tip is is kind of on those like places with open frontages it's to seek out in cities the more personal places and the more um detailed places as i was saying about cars and it being 60 kilometers per hour that cities are designed for go to places where it's you know made specially for pedestrians like for example if you're in London I think it's really nice to to go to the little winding streets um it adds interest and this is all about boredom I think that you can get quite bored in cities if you're in an impersonal environment but if you go to environments where there are winding streets you don't know what's around the next corner and there's always something to to see and something to do and go to different neighborhoods like if you know that there's a really nice suburb three tube stops away why not go there it stimulates you it's something different Mm. to look at and that's part of the excitement of living in cities is the different architecture and the different dynamics and the different cultures and the different people you see so it doesn't have to be that every day is the exact same yeah exactly and that's that's why living in an urban environment that's why I've chosen to live in a city and I can't wait to move to London at some point is because every day won't be the same um and I can seek out my biophilia I can get my green space when I want it whereas in the countryside I yes I've got my green space on tap but I I find it much much more difficult in rural areas to get to curb my boredom and I think as well what you said about kind of seeking different like exploring basically in cities Mm -hmm. um so last weekend my flatmate and I went to Greenwich and neither of us had been there or we had when we were really young something like that and yeah we like went down the road and then we saw Greenwich Park and I've never been there it was huge and there was no litter and we were it was so strange it was like an outer world it was so un-London neither of us knew anything about it this is why we love traveling so much is because you discover places and you are on high alert the whole time that you're traveling you're looking at things in a different way you're thinking wow why is that like that why is that like that why can't we be like that in our own cities where we live what's stopping us from exploring a slightly different area and traveling within our cities and seeing it from a different standpoint you're a tourist you're going into these neighborhoods that you've never been into and we need to start doing that I think much more in our local environments than relying on going internationally to do that because some places are so exciting I've I've found so many different places 
in Birmingham that I never knew existed and I love them yeah now at least that's probably one perk of Covid is that because people can't go on holiday abroad they're more intrigued with their local area and have discovered new places that before you know you kind of get your little like kick from going as you said so I think that's definitely while you can while it's being enforced curb your boredom at the same time you know you can bring all these three tips into one curb your boredom by seeking out a new park and maybe meeting some new people there so yeah I've got one final question that I ask all my guests and it is what are you looking forward to in 2021? I am most looking forward to being ridiculous and doing my traveling so I travel to a new country for every year I've been alive and I haven't been to my 23rd country yet so I need to tick it off the list and that's what I'm most looking forward to. Where are you thinking? Um, I think it's going to have to be somewhere close to home. It might be time to do um, Ireland. You know, if needs be, I could get the ferry. Um, But if if everything opens up, then I have a spreadsheet and plans to do a Scandinavian road trip. I love it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope it's left you feeling inspired. You're invited to continue the conversation and join the positivity community over on Instagram. See you there.